Hello, and welcome to Right Care Baptist. Today, Henry and I are with Krista Bockert, and we're going to be talking to you a, a little bit about outpatient antimicrobial stewardship. Krista, welcome to the program. Thank you, Dr. Lancaster. I'm glad to be here. Can you tell us just a little bit about your background and what you do for Baptist? Well, um, I got my pharmacy degree from the University of Pittsburgh, and I came to Memphis to do my residency back in 1999, which seems like yesterday. And here I am. Um, I've been with Baptist since then in a variety of roles. Um, I've been uh, a pharmacist at the Memphis campus, um, the little restorative care campus. And then for the last 12 to 13 years, I've been here at the Baptist DeSoto campus um, acting as their antimicrobial stewardship pharmacist. Krista, hey, it's Henry Sullivan. Re really glad to have you join us today and appreciate you taking time to meet with Jake and me about this. This is this is a great topic that we are that we're jumping into. But I, I need to understand something. Certainly, I think everybody who's listening is familiar with our inpatient antimicrobial stewardship program. And uh, but tell us a little bit about outpatient antimicrobial stewardship. What what are, what are we about to undertake here? Um, well, the goal for antimicrobial stewardship in general um, is the same for both in, inpatient and outpatient. We want to make sure that we maximize the benefit of antibiotic treatment while minimizing the harm um, to both the patient and to our community. Um, but on a more patient specific and centered level, you know, antimicrobial stewardship is making sure the patient gets the right drug at the right dose um, for the right indication at the right time. And so, you know, from an outpatient perspective, that's, you know, that's the same the same goals we're trying to achieve. Most of the studies that have been done have shown that most modifiable risk factor for antibiotic resistance is inappropriate prescribing. Um, and data from the CDC shows that greater than 60% of all antibiotic expenditures are associated with the outpatient setting, which accounts for about 80 to 90% of all the volume of human antibiotic consumption that occurs. And so that's why the focus on the outpatient setting is so important. Christo, another question on those same lines. I mean, certainly Jake and I live primarily in the inpatient side or the acute care side. And what we see frequently or not infrequently are our community acquired cases of um, Clostridium difficile and also methicillin resistant Staphylococcal aureus. Um, tell me a little bit about your thinking, uh, the contributors in the outpatient uh, world to those uh, very commonly seen inpatient challenges now? Um, more, so, more so, we have to worry about the community-acquired C. diff infections um, because antibiotic treatment is probably the most known risk factor um, for and modifiable risk factor for acquiring C. diff infections. Um, studies have shown that approximately 30% of all adult C. diff infections and 70% of pediatric C. diff infections are community associated. Um, there's been some data that's actually come out in the dental literature that shows that even one dose of clindamycin for a dental procedure increases your chance of uh, acquiring C. diff infection. So, um, that is important to note that, you know, just one dose of antibiotic does make a difference. I think it's a really good point. You know, you know, when we were first taught all this, we we're really beating over the head with the rise of the superbugs and, and antibiotic resistance and how that was going to pose a threat to being able to treat these infections going forward in the future. And certainly it's a big deal, but on an individual patient by patient level, it's more the risk to that patient that matters when you're seeing them in clinic. And 
and I ha actually had a family member who, who called me wanting a prescription for an antibiotic uh, for something that sounded incredibly viral, um, and I told him I, I wasn't going to give him give him anything for it. And they went to the urgent care, and of course got an antibiotic. And um, sure enough, about a week later, came down with community acquired C diff, and that was seemed to be the only thing that changed that family member's perspective on need needing an antibiotic for for every cold. So. I feel like hopefully as patients become more aware and physicians become more aware of community quality in their patient populations that we might see a, a decrease in prescribing. Do you have any thoughts or additional comments on that? Um, I would just say that, you know, that's what the literature supports too. It supports that decreasing your antibiotic use by just 10% can decrease your community onset C. diff infections by about 17%. So um, I think that is the key. Um, to antimicrobial stewardship and decreasing our chances of community acquired C. diff infections is not is using um, our antibiotics judici judici judiciously and uh, when they're needed. And so, just to go along those lines, can you give us a few examples, I guess, of antibiotic over prescribing in the outpatient setting? Yeah. So, the American Boards of Internal Medicine established in 2012 the Choosing Wiley campaign, which focused on reducing unnecessary or harmful treatments and tests. And so two of their big focuses for decreasing prescribing is in the areas of antibiotics for sinusitis and antibiotics for otitis media um, in children who are 2 to 12 years old. Um, they do, um, for the otitis media, they do recommend the watchful wait approach where Give them 48, 72 hours if they're not better than prescribed antibiotics. Um, the other with sinusitis, you know, the new guidelines come out and say use for mild to moderate sinusitis um, when symptoms last for more than 10 days, then consider antibiotic um, initiation. Or if the clinic, they have clinical improvement and then deteriorate afterwards with discolored uh, nasal secretions or you know, facial or dental tenderness. tenderness um, that's when they would recommend starting that. And then also making sure to use the right antibiotic and not using fluoroquinolones for sinusitis, trying to use um, Augmentin as your first line treatment. Um, so, you know, with those two areas, um, with, the, with the Choosing Wisely campaign, those are two areas that physicians themselves have kind of um, began to, to police themselves, so to speak, and making sure that they're providing the right care for their patients. Um, the other area is with, uh, I know the MIPS measures, uh, looking at avoidance of antibiotics treatments in adults with bronchitis, because we know that this is mostly viral. And so having that watchful wait approach as well with uh, bronchitis. So those are three areas that I think we could start our focus on um, for overprescribing antibiotics. No, I think that's really great. And we, we were chatting a little bit before the podcast went on, and uh, I think you were saying something additional related to what the ACP has recently come out uh, and suggested as far as maybe treatment duration guidelines for antibiotics? Uh, yes, um, the shorter duration of therapy has become kind of the hot topic in antimicrobial stewardship for not just inpatient, but for outpatient. Um, the American College of Physicians just a couple weeks ago published that they're supporting five days of treatment for acute exacerbations of CO. PD or uncomplicated bronchitis. Um, for community-acquired pneumonia, they're suggesting only five days of therapy and only adding an additional five days of therapy if there's validated objective measures 
that are met um, for patients that have community acquired pneumonia. One of the big things, you know, I know that we see and we talk about a lot for some of our patients coming in from the outpatient setting is, you know, asymptomatic bacteria, um, not using antibiotics um, for those patients unless they're pregnant for asymptomatic bacteria, but they also are suggesting women with uncomplicated bacterial cystitis to use one to five days of therapy, depending on your antibiotic choice with phosphomycin being the one day of treatment, um, Bactrim being the three days of treatment and nitrofurantoin being for five days of treatment. Um, the other thing that kind of surprised me a little bit was in men and women with uncomplicated pyelonephritis, they're recommending five to seven days with a fluoroquinolone or 14 days with Bactrim. Um, so that is another endorsement by the American College of Physicians. And the last one that they're endorsing as a best practice is non-purulent cellulitis and only rec recommending five to six days of antibiotic treatment that is active against streptococci, um, especially in those patients who are able to self-monitor and have cl false, cl false close follow-up with their PCP. Um, those patients, we don't need to be prescribing 10 days of therapy or longer, especially not having, you know, not recommending clindamycin in those patients because we know clindamycin is one of the biggest antibiotic risk factors for Clostridium difficile infections. So, Christian, let me take you a little, a little bit different pathway. So, if if our concern then is about the overprescribing of antibiotics and the potential development of resistance by our our loose use of antibiotics, can you tell me just a, your your thoughts around carbapenem resistant uh, Enterobacteriaceae and and what are your concerns about that particular? Could you first help to define that for those listening? And then also your concerns about CRE. CRE is one of those pathogens that we are concerned about on the inpatient side. Hopefully they're not seeing much of it on the outpatient side, but um, overprescribing is probably one of our biggest risk factors, especially from our community that can help uh, help the bacteria form antimicrobial resistance. So even what you're prescribing on the outpatient side is also impacting our patients on the inpatient side. And resistance does not discriminate. Um, it has the potential to affect anyone at any stage of life. Um, and, you know, different risk factors for patients will increase their risk. Um, but the, the thing that concerns me um, about CRE is not having something that I'm able to treat patients with on the inpatient side to help cure their infection. And each year, about 3 million patients are infected with antibi uh, antibiotic-resistant bacteria, and almost 35,000 patients die as a result of these infections. And so um, with overprescribing being something that we know is happening in the outpatient side of things, if you go to the CDC website and look at the 2017 data there, the areas that we serve as a Baptist community, Mississippi, Tennessee, and Arkansas, are some of the highest prescribers of community antibiotic prescriptions per thousand population. So this should be a big focus for our area so that down the line, we're not seeing these pathogens like CRE, ESBLs, um, pan-resistant organisms. And so every little bit helps. And, and we are like one of the highest areas for MRSA as well. Isn't that right? Yes. Yeah. And so that kind of brings me back to one of the other questions that we've been talking about before is 
oftentimes in clinic, you'll see a patient who comes in for something that you may as a physician know is a cold, but the patient is demanding an antibiotic. Um, and you know that it is just much easier to write that antibiotic and get that patient uh, out of clinic than argue with them on the fact that they don't need it. So do you have any tips or tricks for the busy outpatient physician that is going to be in, encountering these patients that are a lot of times demanding that they get an antibiotic prescription? Um, yes, and this is something that I'm con uh, I am commonly talking to friends, family members, uh, other people in the community about, oh, I have, a, I have a sniffle, I need an antibiotic. And so just educating those patients as to the difference in these types of infections and that they will, you know, encourage them that they'll likely resolve on their own and have them utilize the tools for symptomatic relief. However, I think one of the things that the CDC is recommending is utilizing delayed prescribing. So I think this can be done one of two ways. And I think this may be a way to um, calm this patient, ease their fears about getting worse, is um, either explain to them they don't need the antibiotic currently, um, but if they don't feel well in a certain number of days, um, they can go ahead and fill a post-dated prescription um, for an antibiotic as, you know, based on what you're telling them to do or not post-date the prescription, but have them contact the office, um, which is probably more feasible for a PCP. And if they're not feeling better, have that, have the office call in an antibiotic prescription for that patient. So you have that patient leaving the plan. You're not leaving them with, well, that doctor didn't give me an antibiotic. So what happens if I don't feel better? You're giving them um, different measures that they can do with a strategy that they can implement based on, um, you know, how things are going. So, Chris, I kind of like that. So you're you're slowly educating the public then that you don't need an antibiotic. You can have one, but let's hold off for two or three days before you fill that prescription. Uh, because you might get better. Uh, and so to me, that's a that's a, a sequential way of getting us to less antibiotic use, still still making the, the, the patient feel like you you met their needs with that office visit, uh, but yet uh, not necessarily immediately having them go to the go to the uh, antibiotic use. Uh, and we might find ourselves three, five years from now uh, not even needing to fill that antibiotic for them. Correct. Yeah, you know, some of the patterns that are really interesting. So, you know, most of the patients who do have a cold, they'll end up going to the doctor kind of the day that their cold is peaking. And so if they do get an antibiotic, they start to feel better, but it's because they, they peaked and they were going to feel better anyways. Um, one of the other things we see is that physicians tend to write prescriptions for antibiotics uh, later in the day and later in the week. They're kind of gotten earlier in the week and earlier in the day, they're, they're kind of you know, more willing to have that counseling session with the patient um, as opposed to arguing with them about why they, or counseling them why they don't need the, the antibiotic. And so later in the week, especially late Friday afternoon, um, the game's over. Yeah, that's something that um, I could potentially see happening just uh, um, knowing how, the physician's weeks uh, weeks go, and some are more challenging than others. So sometimes it's just easier to do that. You know, so on the inpatient side, we look at a lot of different things like point prevalence to know if we're winning or losing with regards to antibiotic prescribing. Is there anything equivalent on the outpatient side that you're aware of that we need to be following? 
Um, on the outpatient side, there's different things from the CDC that they they recommend trying to implement with your clinic. Um, sometimes patients that are small clinics, it's a little bit more difficult to do because you don't have the, the resources and the support to do. Um, sometimes the larger clinics that are associated with health systems have a little easier uh, way of doing it. Um, but they you know, recommend monitoring your antibiotic utilization um, by prescriber, by antibiotic, um, and uh, also by indication and breaking it down and seeing if you're seeing any trends and try to try to um, mitigate um, what's going on if you're seeing a trend with overprescribing. Um, there's also um, the MIPS measures where um, I know that some of our physician groups are being measured by avoiding antibiotic treatment in adults with bronchitis. Um, and so, you know, those are some different ways that are, that can be measured and are a good start um, for outpatient settings that are wanting to to measure and make sure that they are working towards um, a good antimicrobial stewardship program. Krista, I know that during this last 12, 13, 14 months of a pandemic, uh, we have used an, an unusual uh, amount of very powerful antibiotics during the inpatient uh, treatment of patients uh, with COVID-19. Uh, have you seen any adverse outcomes thus far from this antibiotic use? Are you aware of any concerns that that the uh, pharmacy side of the house has seen? Um, I think that um, probably, you know, the biggest thing that I would be concerned with at this point in time is I do think that we've seen an increase in our C. diff infections um, over the last 12 months. Um, and, you know, that's antibiotic use is one of the risk factors for it. Not to say that there may not be something else, but I do I do think that um, we, we do need to be a little bit more judi judicious in our use of antibiotics on the inpatient side um, with most of the infections coming in at least early in the COVID um, uh, treatment course um, is mostly viral. Um, you don't usually see the bacterial side of things um, be coming into play until later down later down the spectrum of the disease course. And so um, I think early on, if you're suspecting COVID, that um, that really antibiotic therapy, unless there is some other reason, um, is not really indicated early in the treatment course. Yeah, and then even on the outpatient side, we, we did look at a, some data within our system where these patients who had a positive COVID test were still getting prescribed azithromycin and, and steroids, um, which is a common combination we give for for some outpatient um, conditions that may or may not be warranted in general. But any thoughts on that combo? Um, I mean, azithromycin, even before COVID, was one of the top most prescribed antibiotics um, on the outpatient side, and so. Um, you know, seeing that the symptoms are very similar um, with COVID versus the bronchitis and the sinusitis and, um, you know, community-acquired pneumonia potentially, um, them being similar, I can see it being something that is, could be potentially overused um, during, during the uh, pandemic. Um, but that, that use of antibiotics was there beforehand as well. So if it's gone up in the pandemic, then we're really overusing those agents and need to work on trying to scale back. 
so we can have it for use in the later, you know, later years to come. Yeah, really well said. And and thank you so much for for coming on the program, Henry. You got any closing comments? No, Christy, I really appreciate you you focusing uh, our attention on the the outpatient or ambulatory overuse of antibiotics and helping us to to reconcile this part of our antibiotic stewardship program. Uh, thank, thanks a lot for taking time to, to meet with Jake and me today. We appreciate it. Thanks for having me. I've really enjoyed it. Great. Hope to have you on again. And thank you, everybody, for listening to Right Care at Baptist. Remember, if you follow the link in the show notes, you can find the link to the CME survey. Thank you.